Okay, suddenly we became an ASMR podcast with the unwrapping and the, I, I don't know what's that. The sultry the, voice sultry getting voice, really close to the mic. Getting really close to the mic, maybe a light brushing. I don't know. I, it, 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 I'm down with it. I'm good. That's what we are now. Polyhedron is a production of Headcanon Games, LLC. Please bookmark Headcanon Games for the latest in Polyhedron news. Polyhedron is sponsored by listeners like yourself. If you'd like to become a patron of Polyhedron, please go to patreon.com slash polyhedron. Now, on with your show. Welcome to Polyhedron, your multifaceted podcast for everything RPG-related. I am your host, Matthew, and as always, I have my two co-hosts here, Ryan. You gave me too much candy, and then my teeth hurt. Oh, that's your own damn fault for eating the candy. And Scott. I brought my own candy, thank you. And I took some of his, too. Well, you're just doubly loaded of sugar, aren't you? You fiend. Birthday. You fiend. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday. Yay, I'm 30. Yay. It's all downhill from here. Welcome to the suck. (laughs) (laughs) I can feel myself degenerating as we speak. (laughs) You're just born to die, son. All right, Russ. (laughs) <laughs> yes, time is a flat circle. Uh, but welcome back, everyone, to Polyhedron. This is a very special episode, and we'll get to that specialness in just a few minutes. I'm so excited. Yeah. So excited. But what news do we got? We talked about some stuff last time. We had a Kickstarter. We had the Alpha Slice for Vampire. And I think I hear some rumor about a new Kickstarter coming around the bend. Oh, man. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, let's talk about that later, I think. All right. What's we got? I don't... You know I don't do that. You know, I don't you, look You've look been doing stuff. Hearthstone stuff. Oh, yeah, well, I mean, I've been playing Darkest Dungeon and Hearthstone a lot. Yeah, that's good you know, stuff, man. Yeah, I mean, I saw the Frozen Thrones coming out. It's going to be great. Super. I'm super excited. But this is not a Hearthstone podcast, so we won't there's, go into there's, super there's plenty. Of, there's plenty enough of those, and they make way more money and have way more <laughs> listeners than we do. <laughs> oh. What about you, Scott? Uh, I've just been playing a lot of Shadowrun and uh, been, uh, you know, gearing up for Simulacra. Yep, that's, yeah, we've been this weekend. About, yeah, we've been thinking about that round the clock. That's That's been baking in my yeah. brain, too. Yep, if you're local, uh, give it a shot. Uh, www.simulacralarp.com It's at Pickett's Mill. Uh, check in or about, is about 10 o'clock. Yeah. Um, but then we don't have much news, so let's get right into the meat of it. We have two very special people here live via Skype in our studio is Wolfgang Bauer and uh, Mark Redell. Um, both are renowned uh, authors, freelancers, designers for their own company, we'll, as Wolfgang will probably explain, of Cobalt Press, and his art designer for Cobalt Press, Mark Redell. Hey, good to be here. How's it going? I am not 30. You are I'm not 30. 30. <laughs> yeah, I hit that mark a while uh, that. I hit that milestone a while ago myself. I'm the oh. youngster. I always <laughs> oh. no, baby. perfect opportunity to be like, no, no, we're we're so much younger than thirty. We're so much <laughs> younger. Right. We're eternally we just 20. showed up. We were told there would be candy. <laughs> I ate all the candy. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so never, high. never take him to the doctor's office or the dentist's office or anything. Just loots the whole place. Yeah, I also steal tongue depressors. <laughs> oh. do, they re- do they remind you of popsicles yes okay sweet popsicles i'm glad that's the only thing they remind you of 
I don't even know what that means. <laughs> yeah, I think we've... I what think, are you implying? I think we've gone off the innuendo cliff, and we're now just, just in, the, in the sea of confusion. Yeah. But, Wolfgang, Mark, welcome to being on the show. Thank you very much for giving us your time. Um, please, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us why you're here, because I hear that there's a Kickstarter that you guys are trying to pimp out and make sure is a huge success. Sure. Sure. Um, I'm going to let Mark say a little more about the Kickstarter. I'm just going to say, why are we here? Uh, Cobalt Press has been in business 11 years doing, you know, RPG stuff for that D&D and Pathfinder and a couple other systems. So, um, so yeah, we, we always are trying to say what we're doing because the hardest part of the small press, of course, is no one's ever heard of you. Um, yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> which, but yeah, we have a, a Pathfinder Kickstarter that is Mark's baby. It's his labor of love. I'm going to let him pitch it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Mark. Um, I've been with Wolfgang for uh, seven years or so, working with him, um, doing art direction, layout, and occasionally writing. Um, the the new Pass Compendium, it, like he said, is is kind of my baby, for, for better or for worse. Um it started out long ago uh, as a just a single article in Kobold Quarterly, uh, the Spell, Spellless Ranger, um, which was pretty popular. Um, and then that kind of led to uh, another class or two in the pages of the magazine, which then led to a PDF series um, published by Kobold Press, mm-hmm. which then sort of led to, um, well, hey, let's kind of compile some of those um you know, and some archetypes, et cetera, et cetera, into a, a book, which we did, which was was quite successful and people seemed to really like it. Um, so this incarnation of the book is kind of the, the, the expanded, even more awesomer version of it. It's, it's going to be a hardcover, full color, um, more classes, including a couple that have never been released before, um, new archetypes, new feats, new spells. It's, it's... I'm really excited about it, and I think it's going to be a really, really fantastic book. Cool. Very cool. So it's just, it's a giant, uh, as you, compendium of making your character more bigger and badass in the setting of Pathfinder. And more, you know, varied, right? I mean, it's Correct. more about you know, archetypal oh, changes yeah. and just... I mean, the the first bit of the, the series, and Mark is pretty modest about the whole series, but mm-hmm. I mean, the first one was called The Spellless Ranger, and everybody kind of went, oh, yeah. And that's what we want in a ranger. They don't all have to be spellcasters. Check this thing out. Um, and every class he's done since then has been received with some level of, oh, yeah. I didn't know I, I wanted this, those. but I did want yeah. this. Yeah. Hey, Aragorn I mean, like, didn't cast no spells. Right. I'm just saying. And then he did, like, the arcane paladin and a spirit shaman and a white mm. necromancer. Everybody loves mm. the necromancy. I don't I, know why. It, it's <laughs> sexy, man. Who doesn't want to be like, yeah, I'm the master of death. What are you going to do? I remember when I pitched that to Wolfgang, I I said, I have this idea for a white necromancer. I don't know if you remember this, Wolfgang. I remember the email I got back was, a white necromancer? Really? Okay. They're always the bad guys, Mark. You're you're messing (laughs) with my stereotype here. I I love my necromancers, but they're always on my DM side of the screen, right? I was like, is anybody really going to want to play sort of a chill from the grave? He's not a vampire. He's just... Raising the dead. Who wants that in the party? I, I do. Was I played those. That, that was that me. Sound, that sounds fun as I'll get out. <laughs> <laughs> I, I play in evil games a lot, so, you know, I'm used to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the white necromancer can be your uh, your villain. <laughs> That's true. That guy, he's, he's screwing it up for all of us. Yeah. Just, uh, How dare you be good and wholesome and competent? Damn it. 
Well, he does have a great dental plan. I will say that <laughs> he gets to keep all of his teeth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you guys mentioned a little bit about Coldwell Press, and obviously that's like a focal point between you two. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about the history? Obviously, you told about. Uh, Cobalt Quarterly, which, uh, if I did my digging correctly, was a magazine that you guys covered several years ago. I think like in 20, oh yeah, that was that 20... was like stage two of the company. Yeah, like so Cobalt Press started as a crowdfunded thing before Kickstarter. That's Open Design, right? A, yeah, it was called Open Design. It, there was a tip jar on Live Journal. That's how long ago Ooh. it was. Ooh. Yeah, I dug that one up. Right in my yeah, right in my so head that, points. Like, the origin of the company. And for the first three years or so, it was just, hey, I want to self-publish some adventures. Help me crowdfund this thing. It was pretty small bore, black and white, 32-page adventures, and me figuring out how to publish anything. Right. right. Yep. Um, yep. Stage two was, hey, I used to edit Dragon Magazine. I bet I could do a magazine. It'll be easy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Famous last words. Right, having forgotten that I had a whole team of people helping me out when I did that in Lake Geneva at TSR, right? So, like, oh, who's doing my layout? Oh, I am. Who's getting the art? Ah, oh, crap, I am. Who's writing all this? Oh, not me. I'm paying somebody. Man, right? those 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 discussions in your office must be really cumbersome. Why you just pull up a mirror to yourself and you start yelling? <laughs> right, but but the Cobalt Quarterly magazine is kind of where the company said let's let's find other people to help and let's reach a broader audience. It actually got picked up by the U.S. military in the overseas PX system. I bet. We had, oh man, I have got stories to tell about people sending in their subscription address. It would be like forward operating FOB, you know, Afghanistan, whatever. This company of Marines, this thing, this thing. And I'm like, well, all right. Well, this is never going to get where it needs to go. Oh, it will. Oh, it will. It did. The amazing thing is people would write letters back and say, man, I love your magazine. I'm always sitting on duty. You know, it's boring as hell, but I, I don't have Internet anything out here. But I have I have the magazine, which showed up like three months late, and I'm so glad I got it. Man, um, I can only imagine playing like rolling dice in a, in a hot zone like that. That That's crazy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I come from Columbus, Georgia and home of Fort Benning. So, you know, my I shared the. Uh, you know, the RPG aisle with many, many, many soldiers. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a great audience to have. People were really engaged. They wrote to us. And then finally, we had to put a big spike through the magazine uh, about five years ago, leading to the third phase of Cobalt Press, cause, because it was eating all the available time. And I wanted to do, like, hardcovers and world building and big D&D monster manuals and stuff like that. And there was no way to do that while I was running a magazine. No, so. I could totally understand that. I mean, I mean, you, you obviously have magazines do a lot of just websites. I mean, physical yeah. copies for magazines is expensive. Uh, you, right. you get less and less readership every year, that kind of stuff. But focusing your attention on Kickstarter and the bigger projects with the bigger names has a little more longevity to it. I can definitely understand wanting to maximize your efficiency. Yeah. Well, and part of that maximizing efficiency is about six, seven years ago when Mark joined the team and did like the last run of of the magazine and then started picking up. And like you can tell immediately when he joined. (laughs) It's like, wow, everything looks better. Wolfgang's not doing the layout anymore. This is a big improvement. (laughs) It's amazing what some some new blood can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. You know. I mean, that's got to be feel good for you, Wolfgang, when you're like, I've been doing all of this stuff, juggling so many, changing so many hats on your head, and then suddenly you can have somebody like 
take that weight from you and was able to competently, competently and successfully do it so that you can focus your energy on something maybe you're, you're a little more apt to do. I mean, Mark can tell you, uh, you know, how we started black and white and, and how we've moved to color. I think we can thank Kickstarter for being able to afford color art, but absolutely. Yeah. Kickstarter just changed everything, didn't it? Yes, it did. At least in this market. Totally did. Oh yeah. Categorically did. I mean, it's, it's the pre-order place now. It's yeah. the place put your money where your mouth is. Do you believe in the thing that they're they're going to produce, and sort of give you the the revenue that you directly needed instead of having a publisher go, well, this may do X number of dollars. I don't know if it's going to be worth it, and you don't have to worry about that. You can just have a guy have your audience come to you and go, I believe in you. Here's some money. Please make a good right. product for us. Um, I always love cool Kickstarter ideas and like cool Kickstarter like campaigns. Just the idea of like if they are successful or not and why they were successful, which I absolutely believe you guys will be successful. Oh yeah, the the current one, the New Pass Compendium, hit funding on like day two, mm-hmm. nice. um, and so we're we're just it ends at the end of the month here, and we're ripping along to hey, uh, let's hit a few more goals, right? Let's get some electronic files from hero lab into it let's get uh, a couple additional classes let's get some extra art actually mark do you want to talk about one of the art goals we got we got brian sime on one of these right yeah he's uh he's 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 wolfgang i have this conversation a lot he's one of my favorite artists to work with it's kind of nice you know being the art director in addition to in this case being one of the main writers on this book um I, i get to to write and create and design but then I also get to, you know, handle the art and, and kind of pick what artists I want to work with on this book, et cetera. And, and the guy I wanted to do the majority of the art in this book and do the iconics was, was Brian. Um, and it's funny, Wolfgang, and I often have the, the, you know, the, the conversation, you know, the joking conversation like, Hey Mark, could you maybe get a couple other artists? <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe you don't have 40 pieces of Brian. Can, can maybe Brian does 20 bit? and maybe 10 from somebody else. Okay. So for our audience here that may not be fair, um, tell us a little bit about Brian Syme. So people, what what work has he done so people can kind of reference it? Um, I guess, I mean, the place where a lot of people probably ran into his stuff first was in Tome of Beasts mm-hmm. uh, for D&D. Because I, I don't think I've counted, but if he doesn't have 50 monsters in there, I'd be surprised. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so very so, prolific artist. Yeah, it's like 20% of the book is his. Nice. Um, cool. Art-wise. Cool. Um, he doesn't really do covers as much as interiors, I think. Yeah, he did That's one right. cover for us. Um, it was, uh, it was the, I've, I've written one adventure for Cobalt Press, The Shadows of the Dust Queen. And uh, Brian did the cover for that and most of the interior art. <laughs> just, yeah. just purely coincidentally. I mean, he comes from a tattoo artist background. Um, I mean, we... Met him at a, or I met him at a convention a few years ago, and he told me, yeah, I used to be a tattoo artist, but he got burned out on that, and he realized, I mean, he's a big gamer, too. Not all the artists are. Um, that definitely helps. Yeah. So he kind of gets it, right? He loves it. Um, and he wasn't sure he could make it in the gaming artist field, which is pretty competitive. Um, yeah. But yeah. And from, a, from an art director standpoint, I enjoy, you know, and not just Brian, but... I really like working with artists and I've kind of try and, you know, gather a stable of them, you know, that, that can take direction, 
well, mm-hmm. are, 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 you know, good with, with, you know, edits and corrections. They're fast. They get it. And, and, you know, he's definitely one of them. You know, we have a, I have to say, we, I think we have a really great stable of artists. Um, and I think they've really helped us to really make Cobalt books, you know, really visually something. And that's something I, I know Wolfgang, oh, yeah. is, is, you know, we really work hard at, and I'm, I'm always proud of that. If someone, you know, kind of says, wow, that, that book looks great. I mean, that just makes me feel fantastic. Oh yeah. yeah There's absolutely. been a couple of occasions where art directors have come up to me at Gen Con or some show and said, Hey, I really like what you're doing in this. And I'm like, Oh, it's not me. That's all Mark. Um, but when your peers notice like a cool layout or, or an artist that no one else has published before, that's, that's always nice. Oh, it's a, it's a wonderful feeling. So uh, we're definitely going to get back to the Kickstarter, but something we, we like to ask all the guests uh, uh, that come on our show uh, <laughs> is a bit more personal. How did y'all get your starting in gaming? Mm. Um, mm, distant, think, misty well, memory. Yes, I say, ancient story, lore. I'm sure is a, I know is a lot more interesting than mine. I doubt that. I, I, I think, well, it was the blue box D&D for me. It was down at a local hobby store. And when I saw it, it was like, oh, a red dragon and a wizard and a fighter. And it says Dungeons and Dragons. Fine. I'm sold, right? I want this <laughs> thing. But it was like $12 or something, some outrageous oh. sum in 1980. Um, and I was... <laughs> I was not able to afford that as a, a young man of I, modest means. I have I lit like, in my pocket. Does that work? Does that count? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like so. I think I literally said, "All right, I'm I'm mowing more lawns this summer, so I can buy this box." Um, and I did. I I earned a little pocket money. I went and bought the box, and I inflicted it, I believe, on my kid sister and the neighbor kid first, because uh, in a sign of things to come. Uh, no one else wanted to run it. I was the one who was all hot about it. So I said, I will be the dungeon master. And I'm sure someone else will take a turn and do that soon. <laughs> yeah, never, Five never. years later. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> but yeah, that's where I got started in, in playing. And it was a blast, right? We had fun. We made it up. The local librarian gave us encouragement to, to play. Um, that's 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 really cool. There's not a lot of stories that you hear about, like, adults and especially in that time period especially that time period who are like encouraging people to do role playing because most of them a didn't know what it was and if they did they probably didn't have a very positive opinion on it yeah Um, no i was pretty lucky that way um but for whatever reason the local librarian was well i think she was also the one who like handed me andre norton and the black cauldron and lord of the rings so she's (laughs) not oh so, so she was one of the people i think she was one of the people so (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I got mine. Um, the first time I ever heard of D&D back in the late 70s-ish, I was in, I don't know, fifth grade, maybe sixth grade, something like that. Out on the playground, I heard a couple guys talking, and I you know, I just kind of listened in, and I like, you know, my paladin did this, and I killed this, and I finally said, what are you guys talking about? And they told me about this great new game, D&D, and I was enthralled, and they showed it to me, and you know, before I knew it, all my friends and I were playing constantly you know you know marathon sessions um and i understand i think some of you guys are east coast and this is here this is a fun little dopey story i actually got to go for two years in a row to the only official tsr sanctioned dungeons and dragons summer camp in oh uh, my sweet god oh, wow yeah no, it we're... was amazing yeah frank metzer was there the one year oh, wow. wow it was it was literally a week-long summer camp at a local university 
couple hundred D and D players of all ages got together. When was they, this? They what year was this? I'm gonna say probably early '80s, sometime, maybe '83, Ooh. something like that. There's a lot of wonderment on all the faces. Like every everyone <laughs> in this room is like, I want to go to D and D. It was game. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So, so has it mostly been D and D for the both of y'all, or have y'all uh, ever branched out into any other games? Oh, I back when I was playing all the time, I, man, I played Fossa's Star Trek. We played Champions. We played Elf Quest. We played pretty much everything. We played at least to some extent. Anything I mean, you could get your hands on. I remember, yeah, yeah that that yeah. Phase was the big one before so the Kickstarter like days. Traveler, Gamma World, Tecumel. Um, and then when I got to TSR and like Geneva, all of a sudden it was like 40 hours a week minimum at the job doing D&D. And some of it was fixing up manuscripts that weren't so great. Yep. And and the last thing I wanted to do for fun was play more D&D every <laughs> Oh, no. I mean, we played over lunch. We played D&D or board games. But like there were occasions when I wanted to play something else. So I discovered a lot of the TSR designers at the time. Uh, were into Call of Cthulhu, which I'd heard of but never played. Oh my! You could play that over lunch, you know. <laughs> you play an entire character arc over lunch. Yeah, yeah you could play a couple man. characters over lunch. Well, that's when my like years long, decades long uh, love of Call of Cthulhu showed up, and I still don't get to play it as much as I'd like. But there's a group of people I've been playing occasional Call of Cthulhu with for 20 years, and you know. Oh man. Yeah, wow. it's a blast. None of our original characters survive, right? Oh, <laughs> doy. <laughs> That's just not possible. Yeah, long I played my first uh, Call of Cthulhu ever just at this last uh, PaizoCon, and it was it was definitely the way to play it. If you're going to play it one time only, it was with James Jacobs, the creative director of Paizo, who's you know, Call of Cthulhu nut, and he ran it, and it was the Friday night game. It was it was at night. I mean, it was like eleven o'clock at night playing Call of Cthulhu with James Jacobs. It was wow. it was pretty great. Oh, that's, that's an experience. Right. That's an experience right there. It was when we were when it was all done. I've never seen this before. It was so cool and so creepy. Everybody, when we were all done, we all looked at each other, and then literally everybody stood up and gave them like a standing ovation. And I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> that sounds pretty fun. Yeah, that's yeah, hard. Funny. Like, uh, for me, I'm always a campaign man. Like, I need to play one character for long periods of time. Like, jumping into a game at a con can be really challenging for me because you're like, you've got to embody this guy for four hours, and you got to make that work. You should try 10 Candles. It'll teach you how to do that real quick. Yeah, I've, heard, uh, I've never heard of that. Oh, well, it's, 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 it's top tier. Like, if you want something really weird and, and it, it, experimental. That's, if you want to feel game. really bad after, th after three hours of playing a guy, <laughs> <laughs> you'll you play. 10 candles it's it's a good time it and it can be call of cthulhu if you want it's very free form uh so uh we talked about sort of like where you guys got your start and what you guys been playing um if you guys could I, I like to pitch this question too if you guys could work on any other game system that you don't currently work on what would you want to work on? i'm a huge star trek fan so if i could go back in time i would have loved to have worked on Foss's star trek or, you know, some modern incarnation of Star Trek or something yep. like that. Uh, that'd be definitely what I would want to do. Cool. Uh, it's a tough question for me because, you know, um, I'm sort of working on what I want to work on. <laughs> um, it's my dream. I, I live it. The, well, I look at the Cobalt Press schedule and, you know, I say, what would I like our 2018 product schedule to look like? And I say, well, I'd like there to be this and this. So, 
and honestly, I've worked on Call of Cthulhu. I worked on Pulp Cthulhu, which came out last year, I believe, mm-hmm. after a long, long gestation. So I'm in the lucky position of actually having worked on this stuff, and, and eh, I don't have any that I'm itchy to start. Okay, cool. hey, I mean, that's, that's fair, man. Fine, man. I mean, yeah. you're in a position. Yeah, you're in a very, very rare position where you get to. I know. It's like I hang out with the Wizards of the Coast once in a while. I go down to the Paizo warehouse and BS with their folks. You know, so <laughs> that's pretty cool. I'm pretty lucky. It reminds me when the White Wolf was here and like in the LARPing sort of Camarilla crew. Mm-hmm. If you're like, yeah, we, uh, you talk to a guy and they're like, yeah, we need to clear out the White Wolf uh, warehouse. Do you want to come down and just grab like? Four hundred dollars worth of free product. Oh my god! There. When I was running Nerdicon, yeah, and that it was around the end of, uh, you know, new old wad was just finishing up yep. at that point. So like, uh-huh. we asked White Wolf for sponsorship, and very suddenly, like two thousand dollars worth of books showed up in the heavy. Is that the box. year I went? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, okay. it was yeah. just ridiculous. Yeah. Very giving wow. people. <laughs> yeah. We have lots of stock. Just, just take it. We can't sell it. Just go. Just <laughs> yeah, take. that was it. Promethean. Uh, it was uh, a time. Moving to Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> time to get Nordic. <laughs> time to get yeah. Nordic. Awesome. So, uh, going back to your your current project, what would you say is probably the most thing you're most excited about the new book? Oh, everything. Oh uh, no. Good. It's all it's wonderful. Finally happening, right? I mean, this one has been in the works and play tested to pieces over years so it's rock solid and it's it's weird that it has already been a hardcover like years ago Mm -hmm. um i I think the thing i'm most excited about is the warlock because it's going to blow everyone's mind to see that in pathfinder i'm really happy with that class is that wait is this the introduction to warlock and pathfinder i I genuinely don't know yeah it is i mean there's never been a oh i think they started in fourth edition right yes they did yeah, you just uh, I think you just mentioned Ryan's favorite class. So well, Warlock was my favorite class in three, five, fourth, and fifth. So yeah, yeah. Okay, so and Pathfinder just never picked it up, right? So. Yeah, actually, I was having a discussion with a Pathfinder player, and I was like talking about it. it's like, oh, Warlock's my my favorite, and you know this guy's only ever done it. He's like, yeah, I don't know, that, I don't know that class at all. And I'm like, oh, oh sweet, oh sweet God, no. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> it's so good. Well, yeah, and I think this is an interesting take on it. Um, but I, I think I think I, I hope I think folks are really going to dig it. I'm I'm really excited for people to see it. Do Do you want to want to want to entice people about it? Tell us a little bit about it. I'd say it's kind of for especially if you know Pathfinder, it's kind of a combination of a witch meets a summoner meets Elric. That'd be how yeah. I describe it. All right, fair enough. That sounds. I I know what all those words mean. <laughs> <laughs> Scott Calling is not a D and D person. Yeah. <laughs> For people who like a sort of stranger, goofier class, I used to hate all the, the silly goblin gnome type stuff. Recently, I mean, okay, I have children now, so I guess my perspective on uh, small agents of chaos has shifted. But the <laughs> tinkerer class uh, is way more appealing to me now than it would have been, say, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to sound like a broken record, but I'm really excited about that one, too. <laughs> I'm so, excited about everything, man. So, everything. Okay, so... What, okay, we're, you're, you think you got the Warlock class, which is going to be rock solid. Well, everything's going to be rock solid. But, like, what's the weird one? Like, what's the super, like... Out there, like, far off. Other than, what, what, okay, you mentioned White Necromancer. Like, is that going to work? But when you had the pitch, in which one in this book was like, I, I don't know, guys. All right, let's try it. <laughs> I think... I don't know. 
I mean, the Mystic Archer is a little weirder because archery is always a little weird. I think yeah, that's it's kind of archery magic meets archery. Always seems really cool in concept, but sometimes in play, it tilts really heavily on the power curve one way or the other. It's like, oh no, not you again, or. Um, you know, why can't you just pick up a sword? <laughs> right. So, or why don't you just cast a spell? Why do you have to shoot it at me with your bow and arrow? <laughs> right, right. So it's like, I love the concept. I think it plays really well. It's relatively new. I mean, it doesn't have three to five years of playtest behind it like the others do. It right. has about like a year, I think. No, I can understand. About. Yeah, probably, but, but pretty heavy. In fact, I can, one of the coolest comments I got in one of the, later play tests was um a group that i was playing in but i wasn't playing the mystic archer i was just kind of observing and playing like a fighter or something and just kind of hanging back somebody else was playing mystic archer and yet another person who wasn't and hates archer classes i remember when we were done we were kind of packing up he came over to me and said you know i can't stand archery classes but uh that's cool. I would play that. So that made me, I think, well, then, well that's, that's a good. huge compliment. We're good. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's actually, archery classes are very hard to get right. Um, Arcane Archer in, you know, 3-0 sucks. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> it's, it's, it's garbage. And uh, 4, 4E had, I think, the only really good archery class in that game was the Seeker from yeah. the Primal Heroes, which mm-hmm. it had, it was real flavorful and kind of cool. And 5E, I mean, it, it because of how sort of generified 5e has gotten, archery is just archery. Right. It's not, it's you not. You play a ranger, maybe you play a fighter who's really good with a bow. I think Unearthed Arcana now has like the, you're a real good archer, <laughs> like archetype somewhere out there on the internet. But yeah. And this class, I guess what I would say about it too, is it's not, you know, it'd be kind of easy to just say, okay, well, you're an archer, but you can also cast spells. Um, what I really tried with this is there's a lot of synergy. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. you know, you can use magic to enhance your archery and the archery help enhances the magic and they really kind of become one thing. It isn't just, well, I can fire an arrow or I'll shoot magic missile. I mean, it really, I, I you know, I think there's a lot more interesting. It's funny. People always want that to work. And, and by people, I mean, every player ever, because I was, I was DMing uh, fifth edition for Girl Scouts a couple months ago. And, you know, these girls are all, like, 12 or 13. and it's God's work. And playing at a very young age. And the, the table I had, there was somebody who wanted to shoot everything with her bow because she was playing the ranger. And there was a caster. And they were always like, we want to team up. We want to have Wonder Twin powers. Like, <laughs> that's that's that an anime influence almost. Mm, yeah, I mean... Yeah. Was, some of it was anime, and they were just like, I want to cast my spell into that bow, and I want my damage and her damage to depend on hitting. And I'm like, okay, that's not actually optimal, but it sounds so cool. And power <laughs> gamers were born. The yeah, rule of cool. I will a find a way. <laughs> yeah, that's that's very true. They're like, they're exploring their options, and they're trying to say, well, how can we, I'm cool, you're cool, why can't we combine our cool and make the cool even bigger? From the yes. mouths of babes. Yep. Um, speaking of How's this for a segue? Speaking of cool and things that we're excited about in this book, the one thing I want to definitely be sure to work in. <laughs> pretty good, huh? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, no, good job. One of the things that I was just over the moon thrilled about about this book was I grew up, you know, Wolfgang edited Dragon Magazine. But, you know, I didn't get to do that. But I grew up, of course, reading Dragon and, and all that kind of things. The editor that Wolfgang got to edit and help develop this book was, was uh, Kim Mohan who was, you know, the editor extraordinaire of, of Dragon and 
you know, TSR wow. legend. Cool. I mean, he edited Gary Gygax. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, that, is, that is pedigree. Pedigree none, like none other. Oh, yeah. So to literally work, and, and that was an amazing experience because that wasn't even one of those things where you just, you know, turn, normally you just turn the manuscript over, the editor does his stuff behind the scenes, and maybe you'll get it back, and, and that's kind of it. But with Kim, he and I worked together. I mean, every single class he'd send his edits, and we'd, you know, we'd collaborate. He'd say, well, you know, here's what I'm thinking about this, and, you know, why did you do this? Oh, okay, great. That sounds good. I mean, it was it was a once-in-a-lifetime experience, and I, and I think the book is the better for it. But just literally as a kid growing up in the 70s and 80s, you know, D&D, Dragon Fiend, being able to literally work with Kim Mohan like that was amazing. Yeah, it was a real conversation. And something I want to point out, because you obviously hit it right on the head, is we're we're in a uh, we're in a profession an industry where everyone that works on this is also generally a fan uh, obviously you have to be a fan to really get behind it because it doesn't it pays but it's not you know you're not a rock star um but it's the idea <laughs> of you could work with people you grew up with that you enjoy and you get to work with them it isn't like you just meet them and say hello it's like you they get to know your name because you've got to make a good solid product together and that's just amazing. Or you start a podcast and just trick them into doing interviews. <laughs> <laughs> that works too, but I think you got to build up a podcast that people have heard of over years. I don't know. I hear that's worked too. Yeah. Uh, you can't working be. on it. We'll, we'll, we'll see in two years how that's going. Yeah, yeah. All <laughs> right. we're, we're we'll in, check back in in two we're years. We're about a, almost a year and a half. We're almost a year yeah, and a half. Yeah, this is like episode, what, 38 or 39 or yeah. something? Yeah. yeah. Cool. Since that's we're buying track, right? So you got the Kickstarter. When is it dropping? Let us know. What's the exact date? Uh, well, it has launched and it has funded, so it ends the end of July here. Okay. Uh, the last okay. Friday in July is is it closes out. And the amazing thing is, because I believed in this project and Mark's been designing, developing, art directing it for years, and we already got Kim on board, the book is really far along, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, awesome. If this thing had face planted, I would have been out a lot of time, money, and trouble. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> we're probably going to ship it at end of October, like November. It'll be in stores. Cool. Right? So, awesome. so you got not just in the hot little hands of your fans, but also directly into stores. People, actual store chains want to carry the book. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We are fortunate to have pretty good distribution at this point. Uh, it's one of those lessons you learn at some point as as a publisher is either you're like pdf only and don't worry about how your stuff gets out there or your print on demand and you know that works or you do it the traditional print way and this hardcover is going to be like a bound sewn binding it will stand up to play right Um, okay so better than a fifth edition monster manual all right gotcha i wasn't gonna call that out but yeah we were we were so happy to see the tome of beasts when we when i first picked up the fifth edition tome of beasts because we had been doing fifth fifth ed for a while me and my girlfriend and like she loves monster manuals she'll sit and just read them like i think she's still just i think she reads it like a a bible like just sits and reads it sequentially and just flips around so she was so happy to just see a collection of monsters that wasn't, you know, that not unofficial, but just like another big giant collection of things to draw from yep. because she just loves that stuff. Something you yeah. can, she could really chew on because it was a new variety. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I mean, we 
we knocked ourselves out with that book. The thing about that one was it seems like it took a long time from the Kickstarter to when it dropped. It was like eight months. But what nobody ever sees is we did like a year's worth of work before that. Wow. Before launching it. That's what I keep hearing a lot with Kickstarter and especially in the the tabletop RPG industry is like pretty much you've got to have the book nearly done before you even think about really putting it in a Kickstarter because the whole point is you've got to prove to your audience that you're, you're worth the money and that they will get their product. Yeah. Well, I mean, Cobalt Press is in the fortunate position of having crowdfunded like 20 some books at this point, 11 of them on Kickstarter yeah, we crowdfunded before Kickstarter. Man, was that yeah. painful. <laughs> I bet. Uh, crowdfunded how, before crowdfunding was cool. How, yeah. how did you do oh, that? Sorry. Obviously, you had, you had open design, which was sort of a tip jar situation. What else did you – what other methods did you use? Um, it was really all direct payment. Uh, there was no, like, escrow. There was no you-need-to-meet-a-minimum stuff. Uh, it was all – bailing wire and paypal lashed together right Hmm. paypal and faith Uh, yeah so just a step up from a tip jar we uh we actually had product pages and a primitive store um for the first eight or nine projects Mm -hmm. i mean we've shipped them all right every book we've crowdfunded that that met its goal it's gone out to backers Eh, sometimes a couple of months late but that's Hey, I'm going to stand by that track record. Yeah. Hey, oh, yeah. At least, at least sure. you got it in their hands. Yeah. Working with, uh, just going back to the Tome of Beasts, that was an amazing experience, you know, just from an art director standpoint and a, and a lover of art and fantasy art. You know, I got to work with some of the top artists and I mean, just, you know, I had a massive spreadsheet of, you know, you know, cause there's what Wolfgang, you know, how many hundreds of monsters in that thing. Right. There's 400 monsters yeah. and we worked with people who are like, Oh, I don't know. Ava Wiederman, she does art for Blizzard and Hearthstone, right? Um, so I'm like, hey, Ava, would you like to do a few pieces for us, right? Uh, actually, I think I told you, Mark, I think this person's good and she has done art for other tabletop companies. She might yeah. come down from the mountain that is Hearthstone <laughs> and do something for us. My God. Just, just hoping it gets hope. Please, please be cool enough to help us. It'd be so awesome if you help us out. Not every artist is is willing to sort of go back to the tabletop world once they've left it, right? That's mm-hmm. kind of it's kind of the problem. Todd Lockwood is awesome and amazing and did great work for TSR for many years. Now he does book covers in New York. I, I don't think I've seen his name. Oh, I take it back. I saw his name on a fifth edition product. Hmm. I see. But he's not doing a lot of work. Not a lot. I think. It, I think that one was because he knew the three authors of the book. That's how that goes. Yeah, it's like, well, okay, these are drinking buddies, so I'm doing art for them. <laughs> they, I they lost a bet, damn it. Yeah. Proud of the art we have and the way those projects have gone, and we have every uh, – <laughs> we have very little doubt that this one is going to be in people's hands by the end of the year. Well, that's excellent news. Uh, I'm, I'm very excited for that. Um, I had a question, though, because we're talking about crowdfunding and kickstarting and all that fun stuff. I have something a little technical I'd like to ask. What do you – Patreon is exploding like nobody's business. It's like kind of the new Kickstarter. Um, yeah. Would you ever think of Coldwell Press doing anything like Patreon? <laughs> Funny you should ask. Funny you should ask. <laughs> so our, our recent fifth edition Kickstarter for uh, 
a Midgard player's handbook and all the deep magic stuff for 5th edition and the whole campaign setting of Midgard um, had as one of its stretch goals that we didn't hit a sort of Patreon-style uh, intermittent source book. Hey, let's just do a bunch of cool material in small doses, Patreon-style. Um, and we didn't hit the numbers we wanted to to launch that as part of the Kickstarter, but we've been kind of putting it on the back burner, writing little bits, getting some art in, again, finding an amazing cover artist. Yeah, we, you should probably look to see something in that category from Cobalt Press in the next month. Yes, an weeks. exclusive, finally. <laughs> it's an exclusive. I, we really, yes. we have something cooking. Um, it's called Warlock. It's all 5th edition content. It's mostly set in the Midgard campaign setting, but it's it's general enough that about, I don't know, half of what we're doing would easily fit in any fantasy setting, the realms, what have you. Um, and yeah, we hope a lot of people sign on and just say, oh, cool, send me stuff. No, absolutely. Uh, that, sure. that sounds fascinating. I, I always like seeing how the new the new models of, of uh, you know development and fan participation and and all that just start to bleed out and germinate and and mutate into different forms. I think it's fascinating. It's one of those things I've been watching for a long time because I mean the reason we were called Open Design was we wanted to have an open door always. Um, hell, uh, Toma Beasts has a whole bunch of monsters written by backers, right? It was a, a deliberate choice to say, we're going to open the doors, we're going to let backers write monsters, we'll put them in Toma Beasts. And Patreon's the same sort of thing, like you're really engaged with people back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, and Mark sees this on the on the Pathfinder boards, right? Like the New Paths Compendium. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Mark, but some of that, some of those classes were inspired by somebody saying, you know, I wish there were clerics who weren't warriors who were just pure yeah. spellcasters, right? Absolutely. Kind of yeah. In fact, the Mystic Archer actually, um, I would see people all the time saying, you know, you know, Arcane Archer, you know, in theory as a prestige class is cool, but it wasn't, you know, they, a lot of people said they didn't like the way it was implemented. And plus we wanted it as a base class, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I would read that and, you know, just kept thinking about it and think, you know, that's a good point, you know, that I would start – once I kind of get inspired with a class, it kind of becomes all consuming. Mm-hmm. And then I, until I can get it, you know, out of my head and onto paper and I'm happy with it. But, but that was all just from reading forums and thinking, you know, that's not a bad idea that I like that. Or, you know, as Wolfgang said with, you know, the, the priest, which is another class in the book, it's, um, you know, I, I would always see people saying, you know, I like the, the, you know, the divine spellcaster, but you know, why do they all have to be the, the, the divine warrior, you know, the right. armored guy running in? I, you, you can't really play a cleric well just in robes, you know, that kind of thing. And I started thinking about that. You know, that's true. And then that led me to create the priest, which is very much a, you know, armored only by his faith or her faith and, and her spells and, you know, a lot of other cool kind of divine powers and things as well. But mm-hmm. so, yeah, yeah, I mean, that. That's very true. I think Cobalt Press has basically succeeded in large part because we listen to the audience a lot. Um, and it's hard not to, right? The the line between engaged game master and amateur designer is vanishingly thin. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean... you. Who I hasn't mean, done homebrew mechanics? Like, Yeah, it's like homebrew is half the fun. If you don't ever homebrew, if all you do is Adventurer's League or Pathfinder Society, it's like, man, you are missing out on some of the fun. I mean, that's... that's. I mean, it's 
it's an inherently interactive uh, hobby. You know, at every at every level of it, there's there's some degree of give and take. You know, between player and game master, and and with, with with you guys, designer and, and players, and it lends itself to to a degree of interactivity and a degree of back and forth. Yeah, if you yeah. don't, if there isn't that communication, you're kind of not doing it right because the whole point is everyone at the table needs to have fun. Everyone oh, needs yeah. to be there enthralled and invested in the story and you guys just took it to sort of a just a professional level of interaction with your audience you feed your audience the audience feeds you as you directly put it um which i applaud you guys for 100 percent. please keep doing that and i want your patreon patreon to do very well because that that's what we need in our community is more people who feel like less like monolithic companies and much more like yeah these are gamers too these are your guys yep. next door that want to bring you good quality entertainment so you can go have fun with your friends. Absolutely. I, I never want to be the guy who just says, I'm sitting in my ivory tower and I shall dictate to you what is fun. Yeah, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Even the big monolithic billion dollar publicly traded Hasbro has a surprisingly approachable staff, right? Um, you can meet those guys at Game Hole Con in Madison this November and they will be totally there or you can see them at gen con they're at panels they'll talk to anybody if right? you can get in the panels <laughs> if you can well yeah okay so there's a little bit of a barrier <laughs> yeah <laughs> you can't get in the panel sorry yeah we but... got we got dragon con here in a little over a month and that's our big convention here in downtown in atlanta and i always look forward to going there because i don't know who i'm going to meet or who i'm going to be able to see while i'm at panels yeah, if it's you still can a fairly small them. field you can still meet a lot of people I, I know some people have walked around like with a player's handbook or something and just getting signatures from all the people they they meet at conventions i thought that was a pretty cool uh signature book that very cool uh, uh, breaking news this just in i just happened to glance over at the kickstarter we just uh hit our next goal uh the hero lab files are now in sweet awesome. yay yep. hero lab fantastic hero lab. yeah, yeah. Man, the virtual tabletop is a whole thing, and Hero Lab was there early with the character generators, character management software. Always happy to see that. Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've gotten sucked into Roll Twenty now. Uh, that's oh, a yeah. really really versatile platform. You can play a game yes. from anywhere, and you don't need much. You don't need much because most people don't use it. Most of, a lot of people just use it to hold their character sheets and just right. roll the dice if necessary. I can tell you, I love Roll Twenty Two. It's a it's a great virtual tabletop. I think Cobalt Press has two titles on it, maybe, but there's gonna be more, and that's all I can say about Ooh, that. Very well. You heard it here, audience. There's always more from Coldwell Press. They got a yeah. Kickstarter that's well funded. They got a Patreon brewing in the back end, and then they got something mysterious going on over at Roll Twenty. Fingers in all sorts of pies. If you saw our schedule coming up, (laughs) yeah, Mark, why aren't you working? (laughs) That that was maybe like so back to work after this, huh, guys? Want to know a secret? I actually am working as we talk. Okay, (laughs) we'll forgive it. Hey, no, that's that's a man with talent. He can multitask. He's talking to us. He's writing. He's making emails. He's doing stuff. My motto is sleep is for the weak. <laughs> and and I and I totally applaud you guys because it seems like nowadays everyone's got to have diversify. Everyone's got to have your finger in a lot of different pies 
as Scott said, just to kind of keep forward and keep growing. Because if you're not growing, you're going to lose out on something that's going on. Um, but we are running close to time. So if people want, to, if our audience wants to get in touch with you guys, where can they do that at? bunch of places uh let's see on twitter twitter we're at cobalt press on facebook we're facebook.com whack cobalt press uh we're on g plus but it doesn't seem as active as it used to be uh, um i tried I, they tried yeah it, it, it was so promising and yet i know and then well we've got this patreon anytime now really uh and of course the main hub of all things cobalt is cobaltpress.com where the cobalt press store is and our blog and our um contests and our at everything the very bottom of, yeah everything at the very bottom of the page there's a place to sign up for the cobalt courier newsletter where we give people our discounts and deals and heads up and tell them about the next kickstarter like oh i don't know tomo beast 2 or something oh my um, oh, and up for that. that'd be cool to do we should talk about doing something like that oh, yeah you? mark take a note Let's <laughs> <laughs> development right here live <laughs> um, also when you guys get this patreon up and running please send me an email i'll make sure to give you a shout out on whatever episode we got coming up next after that awesome thank you no problem mark where can people find you i'm not nearly as active as wolfgang is on uh social media etc um, working but you can definitely reach me through uh kobold's website um, probably the most place I'm the most active is I'm very much a I love fifth edition, but I'm a I'm a Pathfinder guy through and through. So I'm extremely active on the Paizo message boards. You'll see me all over there. So that's probably one of the easiest places if you just want to <laughs> give you a shout tell, out. Tell me, you know, complain about something. Talk shop. Mm -hmm. Talk shop. There you go. Well, excellent. Thank you very much, guys. Um, you can guys can find me at Bow Importance on Twitter. And I am at Divis Melkav. And I'm at Arduous, R-J-U-O-U-S. And if you guys, if our audience wants to give us some feedback, if you guys want these back for another interview, then shoot us an email at polyhedronpodcast at gmail.com. Um, if you really liked us, and since we've already been talking about Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash polyhedron and become one of our bosses so that we can provide you with bigger and better content. We will be getting more uh, uh, patron-only content out very, very soon. Um, and oh, lastly, but not leastly, if you're on iTunes, Stitcher, please go give us those five star reviews. We really need to up our rankings. We want to be able to see, get into people's ears so that we can grow our audience. And remember to leave ridiculous comments so I can read them in a funny voice. You will absolutely do that's, that. That's really what we're going for yeah. here. <laughs> that's, I mean, you that's know, you want patron only content, y'all. Why, why do you think we did this? Yeah, really? that was it. So, from everyone here at Polyhedron, go where your fun is, go roll some dice. <laughs>